It is so shocking. It is so great. It is a jump scare of the highest order. <laughs> it is not a false jump scare because there's a genuine threat in that moment. Yeah. But it is wonderful. Hello, welcome to Guides the Unknown. I'm Kristen. And I'm her little brother, William. And this week we are doing horror hot takes. Will and I have some opinions of our own that we're going to bandy about. But more than that, we have opinions from our listeners who so generously submitted them to us that we are going to read and discuss. Yeah, I think this is going to be fun. Mm-hmm. This is one of those things that like, I, I want to get more and more and more. So oh, yeah. even as people are listening right now, if you've got a an opinion opinion about horror yep. that is controversial, that most people don't seem to agree with, send it to us. Yes. GTTUpod at gmail.com. And maybe we'll do this again sometime. Because even writing down some of my own controversial horror opinions, mm-hmm. I was like, this could be a ton of fun to share and debate. Is there a movie you love that everyone hates? Mm-hmm. A movie you hate that everyone loves? Do you, I don't know, just any sort of like bizarro fan theory that goes against the grain, anything like that. Yeah, you'll get a feel for for what other people are doing as we do the episode. And so if something springs to mind for you, by all means, send it to gttupod at gmail.com. Yes. Um, Because this is super fun. And thank you so much to everybody who submitted these. If you don't hear your hot take read in this episode, expect to hear it in another one because we got a lot of them and I tried to kind of like shuffle them up. Sure. And um, and we'll get to them. So don't worry, because I really liked all of them. So let's kick it off. You know what? L- why don't I why don't I kick kick it off? Okay, yeah. This is a let's good have way to usher and, in. You and me we will go do the one first. And then we'll get to everybody else's. Because people might this is one of those things. A hot take, mm-hmm. a controversial opinion means that we might have right. a response from people that are like, you are so wrong. Yeah. There's a concept in uh television. That like if you're on a show or something, or in politics as well, that if you go like, oh, I've always been a dog person. Mm -hmm. If you say that simple fact, all the cat lovers out there are now against you. Right. So we're really getting into some dangerous water here by saying things we do and don't like. I will be that dog person. Yeah. I'm going to go first. Okay. So... This, it's not the hottest take in the world. Don't. I think the take has gotten more tepid as time has gone on. Oh, okay. I think when this first came out, it was a hotter take. I think The Village by M. Night, M. Night Shyamalan is a good movie. Okay. I like the movie The Village. That is the one where there are people in kind of an old timey village. And should we spoil the twist? Well, if we mention a movie, we're going to spoil it. I yes. like to. I don't. I like do to, too. I do too. I don't I like to have to, to dodge things. I want to talk about stuff. So we're going to spoil the village for the next few minutes. Yes. So it looks like an old timey village, and there's like a monster around the edges of the village that you have to avoid. And it turns out they're actually in modern day, yeah. and this is a little created environment to protect from the ills and technology of the modern world. So I think it's a good movie. I think that the twist might feel a little crappy because it's not what you thought you signed up for. It's a little bit jarring. But I think it's kind of an awesome surprise. I happen to love a twist and a surprise. I really enjoy them. And um, it's I like it, but it has 43% on Rotten Tomatoes, and it was largely derided when yeah. it came out. And um, I think that the overall idea, if you were to get a little bit deeper into it, of blocking yourself off from all pain is interesting. And it obviously doesn't work out for them. And I like this movie. I Okay. Let's discuss. Okay. I agree with you. Mm-hmm. When is the last time you saw this movie, though? 
it has been a while, but not as long as you might think. I've no, seen it. You have no idea how long I might think. Don't. When do you think I saw it? What happens when you assume, Kristen? <laughs> I'm not gonna say it. I uh, I don't know. A couple of years. Probably been a couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I I tried to watch it a few years back. I remember when this movie came out. Mm-hmm. I like many other people. You can the writing's sort of on the wall. By the yeah. time the village had come out, M Night Shyamalan had already done. Mm-hmm. Boy, the Sixth Sense, Unbreakable, and Signs. Signs yeah. His reputation as the guy that has a, a twist. big twist ending was already solidified for sure. So everybody looked at this period drama and said, "Eh, it's probably going to be modern day or something like that." No one knew exactly, but we were all like, eh, it's probably modern day or something like that. It turned out to be exactly like that. I don't think I ever thought that it was going to be modern day. I obviously no. knew there was a twist coming because that was the thing, but I don't think I subscribed to the modern day thing. Okay. I remember, I remember a lot of people theorizing that. Mm-hmm. And then when it turned out to be exactly that, then people really like, you know, put it under their like boot and smushed it. Right. I, in the movie theater, like like you said, I love a twist ending myself. I think that there are arguably like four twists in that movie Mm -hmm. and almost all of them work for me. Yes. Yes. Um, There is uh, the big twist, obviously, of uh, it's not, you know, it's not olden times. It's modern day and they're pretending it's olden times, Mm -hmm. which is strained. It's hard to make that work, but they make it. I think work, it they, works okay. They use just enough credibility of like, well, we bought this land and we're rich and we pay them on this reservation to ignore us. And we paid to even change the flight paths of airplanes. Like they go right. all the agonizing They think of, of all stuff. the things to be like, well, what if this or what about that? Here's they, an answer for that. Yes. Oh, what if this? Here's an answer for that. Yeah. Like they get you on all that stuff, all mm-hmm. the technicalities. Um, that's the big twist. Yep. Here are some of the small twists. The entire movie, you've got Joaquin Phoenix yes. as your main character. Mm-hmm. Halfway through the movie, he gets into a confrontation with Adrian Brody, where uh, Adrian Brody and Joaquin Phoenix both have designs mm-hmm. on Bryce Dallas Howard, and so they are at loggerheads. And Joaquin Phoenix is like, "Well, I'm I'm, I'm sorry, I you know I don't know what to tell you." And you know, Adrian Brody's standing over by the doorway, and then Joaquin Phoenix turns around, and Adrian Brody's right in his face. With you didn't even you couldn't even hear him move across the room. Yeah. But Joaquin Phoenix turns around and and Adrian Brody's standing right in front of him, which is shocking. Mm-hmm. And then Joaquin Phoenix looks down and Adrian Brody has stabbed him. Yeah, it's a bummer. It is so upsetting yeah. and yeah. sad. It's very sad because then Adrian Brody is super sad about uh-huh. it. I would say that's a problem with the movie, Adrian Brody's, Brody's character. Yes. A big problem oh, with yes. the movie. He is playing a mentally disabled yes character yeah and this part is very upsetting but it is definitely a twist because you thought you're gonna be following joaquin phoenix all this time huge twist now bryce dallas howard is our protagonist Mm -hmm. i loved that twist yeah next twist there are monsters in the woods right no there are not Mm -hmm. that is a costume that the elders wear to make sure that people don't stray into the woods yeah number one we've talked about this a lot on guys i see that as an extension of the bigger twist it is it's part but it is still a twist yeah you're right you do find out yeah it's another thing to learn Mm -hmm. um but then there's a twist on that as well Mm -hmm. um because the elders dress up like monsters to make sure people don't go into the woods because they would then discover right we're in a truman show type snow globe here yeah so they dress up like monsters so the monsters aren't real except that adrian brody Mm -hmm. has been dressing up as the monster and killing 
And so he has become the monster. Right, so it's kind of real. There's also a moment where Bryce Dallas Howard knows that monsters aren't real, and yet she encounters one in the woods, which leads us to go, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. Are the elders dressing up like monsters, but the monsters are also real? Like, there, <laughs> there are a lot of, like, things that make you go, what? Yeah, they're unsettling. They're very unsettling. I really love, love all of those things. Mm-hmm. However, I also saw it a few years ago, and it felt very long. Really? Yes. But I remember still liking it. I mean, I saw it, like I said, it was probably a couple of years ago, and I was like, this is a good movie. Yeah. I have a ton of affection yeah. for that movie, and it, a lot of affection for really, boy, I think the M. only Night movies Shyamalan. of M. Night Shyamalan Same. that I have not seen are The Happening. Same. I have not seen it. I, You know what? I came up with this take, and then I was like, you know, it'll be a spicier take, because I think that people have kind of come around on the village in recent years, so it's like, that's that's why I said it's a tepid take, yeah. because I think some people have been like, we unduly crapped on this. This is actually a pretty good movie. You think so? Yeah. I still hear people talk about it if I ever see them talk mm-hmm. about it. It's usually in the context of, this is the beginning of his decline. They do say that, but I guess I'm partially thinking of the blank chap blank check podcast episode about the village oh, okay. um, with Emily Vanderwerf, who was a big fan of the movie yeah. and was like, just what I said was like, we, we gave this a harder time than it needed. And it's kind of redeemed by watching it again. Okay. So I guess that's my perspective of people saying they like it. Um, but so the thing that I was like, Oh man, if I had time, I would try to do this take. If it were true is that I wonder if I could watch the happening and say that that's a good movie because I've heard that people kind of misinterpret what the intent of it is. And again, if your your intent matters only to a degree, people yeah. are, you know, it's people's experience of watching it that they're really going to, take away from it understandably but i have heard that people took it seriously because it's an m night Shyamalan movie but it was intended to be more of a b movie like a schlocky kind of horror thing okay and that if you view it through that lens that it's more enjoyable but if you're looking for something that the guy who made the sixth sense made then you're gonna be like what the hell is this that's interesting mm-hmm. yeah I'd, I'd be curious to look at it through that lens then but yeah i haven't i haven't seen it yeah um yeah, that's a good one. Thank you. That's a good one. All right. Do you want? Uh, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna say this one. I wrote this down impulsively, and I think that it's probably a good connection to what we just discussed. Okay. But it's a weird hot take. That's fine. It doesn't really. It's not really about horror. It, all right. Here's my hot take. Audiences are way, way too critical, and they are the worst thing about <laughs> horror movies. You know. They can be and they can't be because there's also the flip side of that, which is I think I think these two things are born from the same thing. I was about to say the flip side is fandoms who get super passionate, passionate and make fun. They're both coming from the same well of taking it very seriously. True. And that can suck the the air out of things and the fun out of things real quick. Mm-hmm. So being so critical and looking to poke holes in things the way that a lot of horror audiences do or looking for reasons why they suck does make it suck to yes. talk about horror. There's also just so much like line drawing. Yes. I feel like in horror this is specifically. Good. This is bad. Well, it also that movie like sucks. This was trash. That and then also um this is prestige, this is not. Yes. This is horror, this is a thriller, this is suspense, whatever. Like yeah. why do we It's interesting to think about those categories, but why do we need to figure out what it is right. and be like you're wrong? Yes, I, I completely agree. And I'm saying this full well understanding the hypocr- hypocrisy of the fact that I agonize over entertainment. Mm-hmm. But entertainment 
like at its core, it's supposed it's to, to just distract you and take you out of your life for yes. a little while. It's it's supposed to just sort of like make the time go by and get you thinking. Like even if you don't like the village, mm-hmm. why does it have to be? Well, he ruined that. I know. What the hell's the big deal? A movie is so much more than a title and a poster. Mm-hmm. And I think we're so quick to say, oh, M. Night Shyamalan's The Village. Overall, I had a negative experience with that entire movie. So therefore, the whole thing is crap. Right. Even though movies are made up of, first of all, the like skilled work of hundreds of people. Oh, yeah. Set designers, costume designers, um, uh, cinematographers like who can each bring their own flavor to something. It's not just the director. Mm-hmm. Um, writers. Um but like individual moments. And I think that yeah. I this is one of the things that I've I've been teased about, but that I'm actually like proud of, which is I have certain movies that are I know not great movies, but I love them because in, you know, the last 45 right. minutes of it, somebody said something funny. Mm-hmm. And therefore I like the whole movie. Yeah. Or something like that. It's it's the sort of reverse effect. That's why I'm a uh, I'm a hypocrite, but it's that like there are individual elements inside a movie yeah. that can be good or bad. Totally. And, and not like, you don't really good need or to bad. Your interpretation of good or bad. Yes. But fandoms like create this like echo chamber and we all glom onto each other, you know, and like we then become like a, a tsunami of hate or love. Mm-hmm. And it's two giant polarized things and nothing can ever just be like, yeah, hey, they were trying some like really interesting things. Here's what did work. Here's what didn't work. It's always got to be hate or loved it. And yeah. it really makes it like, it makes me like there are creators that I like who don't make stuff anymore because their movie flopped right. and flopped hard. And it's like, it didn't flop. Yeah. Everyone's learning a lesson. The second you make something, you've learned what you should or should not have done. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a shame that those opportunities get taken away because the fans flipped out right. and said, we hate that. There's a lot of throwing out the baby with the bathwater yeah. in horror specifically. Like, I don't think that like, the romance or like hallmark movie genres have people who are fighting as hard on different sides yeah totally you yeah know? we're very polarized in horror i think it's also because it's like somewhat niche it's not really that niche because obviously there are like big blockbuster horror things but a lot of the people who like horror like were kind of like the dorks or like not popular kids in high school and so you kind of cling to certain things that make you cool and so horror is often one of those and learning everything you can about it so you have this like it's tied into your identity and it becomes very serious it's one of those things that becomes your personality right right and so because it's your personality you take it personally and to take something personally is to inherently take it seriously yes and something i want to say that i thought of that is like a a little bit of a mind bender and like not easy uh to reconcile for me when you were talking about all the different people involved in making a movie it's not just m night Shyamalan's the village it's the sound guy, it's whatever, is the um, idea of canceling certain people for horrible things they've done. So like, for instance, Woody Allen and people not wanting to watch Woody Allen movies anymore, which I completely get in behind. But I read something that somebody said and I was like, that is true. And it's tricky. And how do you do this right? Is that, yeah, Woody Allen wrote and directed this, but you're also not watching something that this set designer did that they're really proud of and whatever. And maybe that just is the way it is. And it's just a shame that the most powerful person on that thing did ruin it for everybody because they did horrible things. But it's true. You, You are 
condemning a work as a whole that was really wasn't the work of one individual person. And I don't know the right answer for that. No, That's something interesting to think about. Yeah, I think it's completely interesting. I think it's it's funny because particularly in this day and age where there are so many different outlets to get your entertainment, theoretically, that should hopefully mean that there are opportunities for a million different voices to make stuff Mm -hmm. in practice. I don't know that that's always the case. Yeah. But um, having all of this new entertainment that's everywhere is also a way for everyone to get lost. Mm -hmm. So people do need to champion stuff they like. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that the ways that we champion things or put them down usually end up feeling uh, very one note. Yeah, and just kind of... uh they they have to be so all the way. Like, I absolutely love this thing. I am the biggest fan yes. of this thing. Right. Like, we can't all be the big and like who can it doesn't really matter. Yeah, it doesn't. You don't need to I find myself doing that sometimes. Oh, yeah. I'm like, oh, I like it the most. That's what I'm saying. And, like, I do who it cares? too. I completely do it too. I, which is why I think it's a hot take of I, like I know. We gotta, we gotta take our own temperature occasionally yes. and be like, maybe I'm coming on too strong. Yeah, here. maybe it's okay that I don't know every single thing about the thing. That doesn't mean that I like it any less. Yep. That doesn't mean that I'm not as valid mm-hmm. as a horror fan. I also think sometimes, not all the time. Um, as a girl, even it's left over from like high school and stuff. Like I wanted to prove that like, I know all the cool oh, stuff like that like the dudes prove right? or that, that, that they know, like whatever. I still have some of that. Sure. And it's not great. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I think it's also interesting that it's like, we are all these things. Yes. You know, like horror is part of my identity. Yes. But I, oh, I, absolutely. It's not all of my identity right. or something like that. You right. Know? What mm-hmm. you were saying also reminded me of something that I have recognized in myself lately. I'm a little, even though I like it, and this isn't an absolute, I'm a little fatigued of learning the behind the, uh, behind the scenes, behind the curtain of things. Like, um, I don't want to hear about how comedy is like jazz one more time. <laughs> what? Who's been saying that? People always say that. Where? It's like jazz. You know, just follow it. You just go with it. Boopity pop pop pop. Yeah, you know that it's unified so experience serious. of us all going to jazz clubs. <laughs> you know that it's... common experience we all have of always going to jazz? More than, more than watching comedy. Even more than seeing comedy, we all know about the flow of jazz. But like, you know, there are like a lot of like, and I don't even listen in to the them. But the era, it'd be jazz is kind of like comedy. Probably. Don't we all engage with things that are funny far more than we engage with going to live performances of jazz music? I just think, and I both like it and don't. Like, there has become. It's hard to even say because I do like it in some ways I don't. There's like a reverence for the artist that I find a little cloying and choking mm-hmm. sometimes. Yeah. Like hearing yeah, about right. your process and like all the podcasts that are like, take me through when you sat down to write this book. I'm kind of sick of it. Yeah. I kind of just want to read there, the There book. was a time with uh, uh, WTF, the Mark Maron podcast. Yeah, it's like this kind of everybody, stuff. Yeah. Where it was just like. I wanted to do for a while a parody podcast where I would interview clowns, like <laughs> actual clowns, like uh-huh. Bonko. Yeah. You know, and just be like, so tell me about your childhood. Tell me about your <laughs> Yeah, I'm kind you know, of. Where did you learn to blow balloons? You know? <laughs> it's all worthwhile. Like, it is. I, 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 we, we all contain multitudes. Each one of us is a book. It's you know? just a personal thing that I, thing. I I don't need a behind the scenes yes. for the moment. A thousand maybe, percent. Maybe I will again later. It's cool to take a breath. I need a breath. It's cool to I don't want to hear about anybody's process right now. Yep. I just want to watch it. Yes. Or read it or whatever. 
So I guess that was a hot take within a that hot take. That is a hot take and a hot take. Okay. All right. So now let's go to some of our listeners' hot takes and see how far we get in the course of the show. This is a fun one from Dustin. This is switching gears away from kind of like movies and real life okay. kind of stuff to like theoretical paranormal stuff. Dustin says, there is something that lives in the dark that's always there. I think there's a real reason why we're all so terrified of it, the dark. Every time we think we see something moving or see something out of the corner of our eye, we did. Ooh, I love that. I love that hot take. That's very interesting. Yeah, I absolutely love it. I think it's really cool. Um, First of all, I entertain that. I like that idea. Mm -hmm. The annoying part of me that I wish I could turn off a little bit more sometimes that looks to debunk things because, again, that girl who's embarrassed in high school doesn't want you to think I'm stupid and I just believe every single thing that I talk about. It's just a self-conscious tick on my part. But I think about that there is some sort of like I... Uh, literal programming thing that you will see things out of the corner of your eye that aren't there that's like proven to just be a physical thing yeah oh yeah a a, a million percent you and I both took um, psychology classes Mm -hmm. there's something that I remember about how um, in your peripheral vision you can't see color oh yeah that blows my mind yeah all your rods and cones in your eye I believe it is the the rods can determine light and dark Mm -hmm. the cones can handle processing color all the cones in your eye are front facing. Right. So anything in your peripheral vision, you don't have the benefit of the cones in your eyes to tell you what the colors are. But we do have complicated brains that can deduce certain information. So if I have my hand in front of my face and it's a very pale Irish hand mm-hmm. and I move it into my peripheral vision, even though I'm looking at you, I still perceive my hand to be my my fleshy white Irish hand. Right. But that's you because know. my brain is filling in the color. Yep. Physically, this is black and white off to the sides. It's so cool. And so the idea that your peripheral vision is different from your dead ahead vision Mm -hmm. means that your brain is constantly, constantly filling in gaps and making inferences about what's happening out here. So maybe you are seeing something that's impossible and your brain is preventing you from realizing it. Ooh, so that in in that way it supports Dustin's. Oh yeah, that's hot what I'm take. saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like lo- that is very interesting. Your logical brain is like, no, there can't be anything no, there, no so don't worry as- about it. But there is, and maybe it's banking on the fact that it knows that your brain, mm-hmm. or it just doesn't care. Sure, but you know, ooh, yeah, that's I an think interesting I've also idea. My 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 fun horror theory here that's partly like of a, a fun what if to investigate in ghost hunting world in real life, and partly like a launch point for like storytelling, metaphorical storytelling, but all of these ghost stories where it's like, you know, an elderly couple celebrating their 50th anniversary. So they go away and they rent a hotel room and they were in bed one night going to sleep early so they could wake up the next morning to, to go explore this area, whatever. But they, they heard a ghost over in the corner, like the window slammed over to the left. And by the time they whipped their head around, there was nothing there. Like, and then ghost hunting shows go in to investigate and they're like, is there a spirit here? Hello? Are you here? And they're looking all over the place and putting microphones out there for the ghost. Ghosts don't respond directly. Yeah. They only exist in your peripheral. Right. So a real ghost hunter show, what Mm -hmm. I want us to do, I I think I've 
suggested we do this, and yeah. we always want to, but we just haven't gotten around to it, is go somewhere that's supposed to be haunted and don't talk to the ghosts. Mm-hmm. And just see what happens. Do anything else. Record this show. What to say. Yeah, that might be a way to do it. In a haunted environment and see if we experience anything in our peripheral. Right. Right? Don't focus on it. Yeah. Uh, Have the camera on us so it could maybe pick up something. Have something running for EVPs. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess the whole show could act as an EVP, but you know what I mean? Sure. And see what happens. Yeah, a million percent. Yeah. yeah I love that theory. That's a great one, Dustin. I do too. I love it. The idea that there's just, it's just always there. And we think we're terrified of it because it's like a scary psychological thing, mm-hmm. but you're terrified of it because it's real. Oh, totally. And you're just shutting down the idea that it's real because it's childish or yes, whatever. And also survival stories. Yeah. Right? Like, but actually, this goes to the village as well. Like, don't go into the woods. There are monsters in there. Is the real sort of survival technique that we used in olden days right. to say, don't stray far away from the camp. Yes. You're safe right here. Don't go off into the dark. Because you should be by all of us because we can keep each other safe if we're all together. Mm -hmm. But maybe that's the cover we gave because there really is something off in the dark. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's awesome. Thank you, Dustin. Thank you. Okay, let's move on to this one from Chloe. Doppelgangers are the scariest paranormal phenomena. Prove me wrong. Interesting. We've covered doppelgangers before, right? We Well, we, we covered tulpas. Okay. I don't think that we co- covered doppelgangers proper. They are a topic unto themselves. Yes. What I know of doppelgangers is that they can sometimes be omens, mm-hmm. meaning if you see yourself, uh, it foretells doom right. in some way, shape, or form. Um, what's what's your understanding? Uh, th- that. That? Exactly that. That you're encountering this weird carbon copy of yourself, and that can't be good news. Can't be good news. I wish I wish I knew more of the why. Why is it the the scariest thing? You know, um, I'm not really I'm not really sure. I mean, maybe it's just maybe Chloe is saying it's scary to come face to face with something that's exactly you, and how unnerving and weird that would be. It feels not right and like not of nature. I want like a follow up to this. We got to reach out to Chloe mm-hmm. and ask why do they scare what you? scares you? Because when I think of doppelganger, it could be a demon that looks like you. Mm-hmm. It could be a vision. It could be a, a ghost. It could be a time warp. True. It could be any one of these things. That's fascinating. Okay. You know what? Let's put a pin in this. We yeah. are going to be doing future episodes exactly. of these hot takes. So, Chloe, we're coming for you if we haven't already, frankly. This is the kind of thing, too, that like, I, send us your opinions about our opinions here. Yeah. Because I'm not saying we're right or wrong. These are just <laughs> no. the, the things that we think and feel. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. By all, by all means, bring it out. Yeah. Okay, so the next two are like somewhat connected. I paired them together, but I'll still read them separately. Okay. The first one is from JD. He says, this has come up in the Discord, which is um, for patrons only. If you go to patreon.com slash pod, you can join our Discord. But I really think that Bigfoot slash, sca- slash Sasquatch, rather than solely being an anthropological cryptid, has some sort of interdimensional element to it. So part of the reason we cannot find it and perhaps even its very existence are due to its traveling from a parallel dimension into ours. Okay. I like this theory. This is something that I had mentioned on Guides to the Unknown a few episodes ago as something that I'm going to be researching a little bit more myself for Hunt a Killer um, for oh, the blog over there and fun. writing something about that. So I have a glancing knowledge of this this theory and this hot take, and I'm very into it. Yeah. I think you. it's one of those where you do have to say, like, if interdimensional things are a thing, and if, and if, but... I mean, if we're if we're gonna go with all of those things, I think it's a very interesting 
and plausible within that framework idea. Because why is he so elusive? Or right. why are they so elusive? Wouldn't we have, if they're just animals, wouldn't we have caught up to them at some point? So what else could be going on? And so, yeah, maybe it is that it's like slipping to and from different dimensions. I see what you're saying. So if we take on the face of it, there is a Bigfoot and yet we can't find it. Right. Therefore, it must be and we, somewhere if we it accept cannot be found. That there are also different dimensions. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, that that's fun then too because then that would make Bigfoot not only a cryptid or a creature in our dimension, yes, maybe also just a regular old run of the mill entity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and a I don't paranormal... mean entity in the supernatural. I mean entity in the way that you're an entity and I'm an entity. Oh, he's he's an autonomous being in his dimension. Maybe there are other Bigfoot creatures there. I would still say that's paranormal to us, though. Oh, I'm saying it's paranormal to us. Yeah, but he but could just we be living to, a normal if, life. If you and I went to Mars, we'd be the aliens. Oh, totally. Yeah, you yeah, yeah. I mean? So, yes, like in his dimension, it could just be that there are a whole bunch of Bigfoot there. Yeah, there are a bunch of Bigfeet. Yeah, Bigfeet. Bigfeet. Yeah. Um, so he is not only evidence of other kinds of living creatures, but also evidence of other universes definitely being real. Exactly. That's very interesting. Yeah. And I, it's a little bit of a tantalizing teaser, but I also know that there are theories about Bigfoot being like an extraterrestrial kind of thing. I don't, I don't know a lot about it. It's something that I'm gonna have to dig into a little bit more, but there are definitely a lot of schools of thought out there about Bigfoot, not just being like a normal, excuse me, a normal but unknown mammal that lives on our planet and that is very elusive, but being some sort of paranormal like dimension hopping entity. There's a uh, there's a pretty beloved, um, maybe notorious Star Wars comic book where uh, Han Solo and Chewbacca find themselves like jumping to a galaxy they've never been to before, and it's Earth. It's like uh-huh. a primordial Earth. And they crash the Millennium Falcon, and uh, uh, Han Solo dies in the crash. Chewbacca survives, though, and then f- flash forward, and Indiana Jones is adventuring through this what? jungle and finds the Millen- Millennium Falcon. I can't say that. Yeah, yeah, Millennium Falcon and sees the corpse of Han Solo. So Indiana Jones and Han Solo sort of are in the same universe. Are in the same universe. And then they're like, there have been rumors of like a tall ape man in this region, but that's just poppycock. And as they leave, Chewbacca's standing in a tree watching them. <laughs> so Chewbacca is Yeah, Bigfoot, is Bigfoot. Which would then make him an extraterrestrial. Which right? would then make him sort of from another universe. Ooh, I'm gonna have to try to remember that. Right? It's, yeah. it's pretty fun. It's, yeah. If, if you don't, if you haven't seen it before, you should all definitely look it up. It's like, it's super... I think it's a what if it's not like a canon thing at all. Right. But it's a really fun idea. And I love the idea of Chewbacca being Bigfoot. I don't like the idea that he saw Han Solo die. And no, now he that's lives just in the sad. same area as where they're the best friends, right? Yeah, they're best friends. Yeah. So I don't want that for best him. Friends. The best of friends. He's my best friend. Was <laughs> <laughs> that ever seen in Star Wars? I can't go, Leia. He's my best friend. Remember that movie? How could you say that to him? He's my best friend. Remember that movie that came out like uh I guess like last summer with The Rock and what was it? Where um it's with an it's with a gorilla. Um Rampage. Rampage. Yes, it's a couple yes. years ago. He's like, What did you do to my friend? Yes. About the gorilla. About the gorilla. Yeah, I can't believe what you're doing to my friend. <laughs> I think I saw that movie in LA. Really? I think I saw when I went to LA, I was alone, first of all. Yeah. I spent a lot of time alone. Yeah. And um as we'd be recording 
like at like He's an Emmy nominated studio. The with, podcast Earthbreak, which you can look up right now. Yeah, absolutely. Or Blackwood. Yeah. So I'd be working with people that are like famous from television, have done movies and stuff. Jenny Slate. And then the whole rest of the day I'd be alone. <laughs> <laughs> so like and I'd never been to LA before at that point. So I went to like I wanted to go to the Chinese theater because it's iconic and everything. But the only movie I could see was Tag. With, oh that's right with ed helms so i saw like the, i remember that saw, like the worst movie in the most famous theater in the world i think i saw like skyscraper that's with so the funny. rock i think i saw rampage out there skyscraper uh nev campbell was in skyscraper you better believe it so did you see that hell yeah nice yeah i waited for it to start <laughs> because what else was i doing i know you know i was reminiscing about like when you could go to the movies and we both had amc stubs and like yeah. ryan and i my husband would see like just like these weird movies because we could. Yeah. Different times. I have such different times. Yeah. <laughs> Good God. Okay. So this hot take is from Troyette and it kind of connects to the one that we just did. So they say, I think this was mentioned in episode 108. Time isn't linear, but overlaps. That's where ghosts come from and Bigfoots or Big Feet. It's just a blip where time bleeds into itself a bit. And that's why things that happened years ago feel like they just happened, but we don't remember what or if we ate breakfast. I love that. I do too. Yeah. I know. It's it's a hot take because it's an unusual thing to think, but right. I'm into it. It posits like a metaphysical th- theory, so mm-hmm. it's a hot take. But yeah, I, I, I love that. There, there's It sort of takes into this, this notion that I've always wondered of <clears throat> ghosts. So you die. Yeah. And then you're able to walk through doors and walls and stuff. Right. Right. Why does gravity still work? Right. Should, right. Like maybe like like the the sort of repeating form of ghosts notion of like, yeah, she's always residual baking cookies. Hauntings. The residual haunts. Yep. Yeah. Like she's always baking cookies anytime I see her. That's because you happen to be in the room at the right time when um the earth is back in position for her to be there again. Right. Because not only is the the earth spinning, mm-hmm. every day and night we make one you know, full rotation of the earth spinning. Not only that, we're orbiting the sun. Yeah. <laughs> so every year we, it takes a full year for us to go around the sun and get back to where we started mm-hmm. and we're spinning. Right. So I wonder if ghosts, when you die, like you die and you're like, Oh, I guess I'll haunt this house. Whoa, 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 whoa. It's slipping away from me because the earth is spinning away from you and moving because right. you're maybe- unbound. So you're saying that you'll be bound to actually that exact spot. Is that you're kind of saying? I don't even know if you're bound. If 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 you're dead and you can walk through walls, then that implies that you're not part of the physical realm at all. Oh, that's what I mean. Like so, gravity is part of the physical realm, right? Yes, yes. I'm getting lost in the weeds of this thought. I know because it's weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But no, I like it. So when you die, the ground should be slipping out from under your feet because the Earth is spinning on its axis and rotating away from you as it goes around the sun. And you'll have to wait 365 days okay, for the I Earth see. to come back to you. Right, right. I don't know. I mean, maybe they are b- bound to the laws of gravity just because I don't know why. I'm, light is, is light. Gravity bends light. Right. So and maybe, yeah. maybe I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> No, but it's fun to let's, think about. Let's hypothesize that maybe what I the outlandish thing I said might be wrong. I'm not willing to hypothesize. That. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. No, I mean we don't know about all this stuff. Actually, you know what? I'm going to tell you my next hot take, which kind of fits into this line of inquiry. Okay. After we talk about ourselves for a all second, right. 
If you like us, Guides the Unknown, we have even more for you out there that you may not have experienced yet. Yes. If you go to patreon.com slash gttupod and you sign up at the Netherworld Warrior level where you donate $4 or more per month, we have a whole separate secret podcast that comes out monthly that you can set up to go directly into your podcast feed called the Netherworld Dispatch. We do different kinds of stuff over there that we can't do on the regular feed, like um, watching clips and letting you hear the actual audio from those clips where that would get dinged normally for copyright on a normal podcast feed. Um, what are the kind of stuff we do? We have besides those regular episodes, we also have video game playthroughs. We do a monthly planning session with the patrons over there. So you can help us plan our next month of shows and have input into what happens. Yeah. It gives you like a real insight. We, we tend to share like a lot of personal info there as well. We've yes. done like really oddball types of shows for the Netherworld Dispatch that would never be on this feed. Yes, that's completely correct. Um, and there's also a patron-only Discord where you can hang out with other people who like Guides to the Unknown. And it's basically like a running chat room that you can check into anytime you want that's divided up into different room categories. So there's a category for animal pictures, for memes, for other podcast dis- discussions. It's a very, very cool place. And by you donating that money, you really honestly help the show keep going yeah so maybe check that out and thank you so much to our existing patrons for helping support the show yeah and if you're into this episode if you're into these weird conversations that Kristen and i have about the sort of wide world of horror and spooky stuff and you know this show is sort of like an interesting example of the kinds of like the variety of topics that we get into on guide to the unknown because we'll talk about the real life stories behind horror movies and we'll talk about folklore and we really run the full spectrum. If mm-hmm. this is your kind of thing, please consider spreading the word. Yes. Um, uh, Guide to the Unknown really sort of lives and dies on whether or not the people that listen to it um, um, support us either on Patreon or by telling friends, mm-hmm. writing posts, letting letting somebody know that they should check it out, leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. Yeah. Um, any and every one of those things that you can do to, to sort of increase – um, the spread of Guide to the Unknown mm-hmm. will help Like a this, virus. Yeah, yeah. It'll help yeah. us spread like a virus. <laughs> it's only going to keep the party going. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So thank you so much for listening, and please tell your friends. Thank you. Okay, so here is my take that's really lifting from somebody else's take that I found so interesting just like two days ago, basically. Okay. So I am reading this book called Life with the Afterlife by Amy Bruni, who used to be on Ghost Hunters and is currently on the show Kindred Spirits. Hmm. Um, There is a chapter where she talks about the idea that ghosts could possibly age in the afterlife. But also maybe sometimes they don't, maybe they choose not to, maybe they're locked into an age. Again, we don't know what happens, but sure. it's just kind of fun positing. So she talks to this um, this guy, John Tenney, who's like a really well-known figure in the paranormal world. He has a, f- a few really interesting books. And he kind of wonders whether people keep evolving after they die, since everything in nature evolves. So if somebody dies at 50... And you go into a haunted house that they're supposed to occupy 50 years later. Is their consciousness still that of a 50-year-old? Or are you now talking to basically a 100-year-old? Right. And so do they progress? 
or do they freeze? And why might that be? So Amy posits that for all we know, there could be some sort of time warp happening. So kind of similar to what we were just talking about, even in the afterlife. So some people appear old and some people appear young. And I when I was reading this, thought to myself, I wonder if some people might freeze their age at death and not progress, not be the 50-year-old who becomes 100 when they died because they suffered some sort of trauma, uh-huh. just like in real life, how some people's kind of psychological and emotional age sometimes freezes at the time that they went through some sort of really big trauma. Yeah. Um, who knows? But I find it so interesting. I've never heard those theories before, and I love them. I, I absolutely love that theory. Mm-hmm. I um, have always wondered, and I don't think I've ever said this out loud, I've wondered if ghosts go mad. Mm. Do ghosts lose their minds as well? Like right. Maybe they can't accept being dead, or like I think a lot about that scene in The Sixth Sense, mm-hmm. right? Sh- Shyamalan heavy show, yeah. where um, – Boy, he, I don't even remember the character's name, but Haley Joel Osmond, um, there's a woman in the kitchen of his house. I know. And she turns around and goes, look what you made me do. And she's cut her wrists. Mm -hmm. And some ghosts in that movie seem to be like, I'm, I'm dead and I need your help. Right. But she's trapped in like her worst moment. Right. And that maybe, maybe she's been doing that for 50 years Mm -hmm. and if you were doing literally like they say that even 15 minutes of solitary confinement right is enough to do like mental damage if you're a ghost and you're trapped in your like worst moment for 50 years does your sanity break i think i that's a very good question i hadn't thought about it but i think that that could be because also a lot of what Amy Bruni has said in this book um, and that I agree with is that from my understanding or thoughts about ghosts that like ghosts are people too. They right. once were alive. And if we're going to believe that something is going on with them on the other side, they're still a person who has sure. like wants and needs and likes and dislikes and whatever. And so if they have all those things, couldn't they also have emotional tethers that could kind of break yeah so i don't see why not and also like even the idea of people being like stuck to a place that's kind of like an emotional distress thing that you could say is sort of madness yeah definitely i i don't see i i'm still i mean the the debate of whether or not the the afterlife exists at all is yeah. so much bigger and something that we've dabbled in a million times but like if if i'm gonna take for granted that the afterlife exists why should the way that people behave be any different totally. in the world of the dead? Yeah. Two people can go through arguably the same traumatic event and come out the other side with vastly different outcomes, either because one person like, you know, had their coping mechanism of going with the flow, maybe the other person like refused to accept that this was happening and but either way, like the world is what you make it. Mm-hmm. It's up to you to decide how you're going to react to the things that life throws at you. Right. So in if you're now a ghost forever, mm-hmm. and if you are the kind of person to refuse to accept this, yeah. do you then become a residual haunting? Yeah. You know, like, do you sort of, beca- do you make yourself into all these, is this, maybe this is even why we have this bizarrely wide spectrum of what ghosts are, mm-hmm. because it's up to each one of us individually to decide how we're going to respond to this new life event, even the right. afterlife event. Exactly. So I think that's part of what John E.L. Tenney was saying is that like maybe some ghosts can kind of choose to move on, develop and be like, 
yeah, I want to keep kind of living and evolving. And so I am learning more things through my afterlife the same way I would have learned more things in my life. And maybe some ghosts are just locked in for whatever reason. Maybe that could be preference that they want to, or they could be scared to move on, or they could just be stubborn or whatever. Um, It's really interesting. And it reminds me of something that I know we talked about on the show before that uh, like I, and not just me, like, I don't, I don't really think demons are a thing that like doesn't really scare me at all. I kind of think it's just like a whole ghosts who are being mean. If that's like, if, if something's going on, it's like violence in their house or whatever. And we're believing that maybe there's like screwing with people because they're jerks. Maybe. And also, like, if maybe. you were a jerk in life, you might be a jerk in the afterlife and you might be like, well, I'm a ghost now. Like I can screw with people and make them think there's a demon around. And, you know yeah. what I mean? I know that you're all afraid of demons. Yeah. I used right. To be so I'm just going to use that. Yeah, totally. Maybe they're thousands of years old too. By right. The way. Like, yeah, maybe it's just you, you go long enough and you can use all of this vast knowledge mm-hmm. as a weapon against the living. Right. You know how to work the system now a little bit. And maybe you're a jerk and you want to do that in a way that upsets people, or maybe you're nice and you use it in a way that's nice. Yeah. Everybody watch the exorcist three. Yeah. When's the last time you saw that movie? A long time ago. I like barely even remember it. This is not a horror hot take. That movie rules. I know. I know. I know. I remember thinking it rules and I know that people say it rules. Brad Dourif. Yeah. Possibly playing a demon Mm -hmm. or a ghost. I don't know, but sort of the not knowing. Right. Even in that movie goes, I'm sorry. I've gone mad. He's got such a scary voice. He's so scary. He's so good in that movie. Yeah. But so he pretends to be a demon. He pretends to be a dead guy. He pretends to be all these things in a way that means like, I don't know what he is. Mm-hmm. Maybe he is primordial evil or maybe he's just a guy. A guy, yeah. Who, who can, who can Who's tell. messing and with I, your mind. I think it sort of like taps into everything we were just talking about. Yeah, it's Super awesome. Um, all right, I'm going to share a, uh, a, a hot take of mine. This is a positive hot take. Great. Sort of. Jump scares. Mm-hmm. They're fine. They're fine. Oh, uh, yeah. People hate jump scares. Hate them. They must not because they're in so many movies. That's what it is. People say they hate jump scares. Yeah, they must not. People hate cheap jump scares. Yeah. People will. I've seen like a million people put down a movie because it's like loaded with jump scares mm-hmm. as if that is objectively bad for a movie to have. That's partially kind of what you're here for. Yes. Horror movies. To some extent, not all of them, but horror movies a lot of the time are like a roller coaster. Totally. It's a, a haunted house and you need the attractions yes. in there. Jump scares can be misused and abused. Sure. They happen every five seconds. It's probably going to get really tired. Right. But they're not bad in and of themselves. Jump scares can be completely wonderful jolts um, of, of just shock and surprise. You wouldn't ride a roller coaster and be like, Another loop. Yeah, right, right. Throw another loop. You know what you're signing up for. You're gonna throw another tight bend at me. Yeah. Come on. When you watch a horror movie, you know there's gonna be a jump scare. Absolutely. Depending on the kind of movie. Yes. So yeah, of course. Yes, absolutely. I think that jump scares are part of the fun. I think that, couple this with my agree. audiences are too uptight. Yeah. Uh, hot take, and it's just like just I think it's it's just taking it's things very like seriously. Them. It's part of the ride. Right. It's part of the fun. So, okay, so if like part of the thing about like audiences kind of ruining stuff is that they take it so seriously. Yeah. Do you think it's because jump scares are like cheap and silly? So then they're like, they're, well, it's I'm they're like be- beneath some people. They tend to be throwaway, right? Yeah. Like if it's a jump like 
what a jump scare is defined by is usually a sting of music and a shocking uh, um, image on the screen yeah. at the same time. Um, so, uh, uh, oh boy, what's a good example of a cheap one? I, here's here's something that I remember people really going nuts over. Blair Witch 2016. Mm-hmm. There's a moment where um, characters just keep popping up at the campsite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And eventually the main character Yeah, people goes, did. Yeah. Uh-huh. And the main character goes like, all right, we've, we've got to stop doing that. Because mm-hmm. people just keep going like, James! And like showing up and it turns out to be fine. They just showed up. Yeah. But it's loud and it's jarring. But to me, that was part of the fabric of what it's like to be in the woods. Yeah. And not know who might be around the corner or whatever. Yes, you hear things and you're like, oh God, what's that? What's that? Yeah. So that's what people call a cheap jump scare. But I still think that that's part of the like, a, a horror movie doesn't want you to be relaxed. No. You know? So I think it's part of the fabric of, it's not it's not setting tension by doing that, but it's part of the fabric of like um, like a heart rate monitor, the peaks and valleys. Right. I think it's just like part of the fun of like it totally keeping is. you off kilter all the time. Yeah. Um, I also think that people do like feeling that jolt of fun. They definitely do. Um, and then examples of good jump scares, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. Okay. There was a moment in that movie, I know you don't like any of this stuff, but Chop Top. I I kind of kind of like the second one because it's just so it's so gonzo and bananas. It yeah. is what Rob Zombie wishes his stuff yes, was like. Yes, yes. Um, Chop Top, played by Bill Mosley, shows up at a record <laughs> station, and he's wearing a Sonny Bono wig yeah. and little hippie glasses, <laughs> hippie sunglasses, and uh, he's going, oh, hey, oh, it's nice to meet you, to the DJ. He goes, you're you're my fave. <laughs> shows her the peace sign. He's yeah. pretending to be a hippie, yeah. even though we all know he's a murderous cannibal, right. which is bizarre. And so uh, she's trying to get him to leave the DJ, and so she takes him on a tour of the station. And she goes, okay, well, that's it. Good night. <laughs> he goes, <laughs> good night. She goes, good night. Yeah, like, goes, go. Good night. Like, he's not picking up the, the kind hint. And then they find themselves next to the radio station's, like, vault of records, and the lights are off. And he goes, well, what's in, why don't you show me what's in, uh, uh, in, in here? And he flicks on the light switch, and Leatherface is already running through the door uh-huh. with his chainsaw wrapped. It is so shocking. It is so great. It is a jump scare of the highest order. <laughs> it is not a false jump scare because there's a genuine threat in that moment. Yeah. But it is wonderful. I've never heard anyone denigrate that moment, <laughs> you know, and that is a jump scare. I think that jump scares are a thing, they're a hook. They're a technique that becomes an easy rallying cry of cheapness, mm-hmm. but in and of themselves, we clearly like them. They're part of the fun. Yes, like there are people who, um, you know, do research on the parts of movies that get the most response from crowds and things like right. that. If jump scares weren't rating positively, we wouldn't be seeing them in movies because it all boils down to dollars and cents for big studios, at least. People must be somehow responding positively to jump scares when they do these kinds of studies. Yes. The, the, For sure. The, the famous marketing of paranormal activity. I know. I was just thinking that too. Right? Yeah. The, the night vision cameras in the movie theater showing people jump and scream. And honestly, usually you jump and scream and then laugh. Yes. And everybody likes to laugh. The come down from a scare yes. is just as enjoyable as the scare itself. Yes. Totally. Like I... Uh, the most jump scary movie that got me in recent memory in theaters was A Quiet Place. I remember just being like, ah, God damn it. Oh, really? Got me. Yeah, I kept that movie kept scaring the hell out of me. It was so tense. That's funny. 
But it's fun. Did part two of that come out? Or did that get delayed as it well? It got delayed. It got delayed. Yep. Um, yeah, no, I think they're fun. I think uh, the, the common refrain that I usually hear from people is like, it's it's shock. It's jolting. Mm-hmm. It's startling. That's what it is. Yeah. It's startling. It's not scary. I'm like, all right, well, but that's not usually. Most movies don't hinge on startle, but startle is part of it. No, it's 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 part of it. Part it, of it. gives you a little something. It yeah. breaks the tension a lot of the time. Yep. It's 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 just boils down to it being fun. Totally. And people kind of purporting to not like fun in yes. some ways when they're critiquing something, but obviously you do. Yep. Okay. Let's see here. So let's do a couple that I think are probably potentially going to take us out. We'll see how it goes. That sort of, again, relate to each other and relate to something that we were just talking about. These are going to be about residual hauntings. Okay. So Hayden said, I think that residual non-intelligent hauntings. So real quick, residual hauntings are when you come across somebody who is just doing the same thing over and over again. So it could be that you are at Gettysburg and you're seeing somebody, a soldier holding a gun, like marching like they're guarding something. And they seem to be complete, completely unaware that anything else is going on. They're just acting out that part of their life over and over again. That's what's known as residual. And um, intelligent hauntings are hauntings that could interact with you in some way and they're aware that something else is there. Right. So anyway... Hayden thinks that residual, non-intelligent hauntings could be buildups of electrical energy in a space. Like when you have a video game on a screen too long and it is imprinted on the screen. Oh. I think that is such a cool idea. I think that particularly that that might resonate as true to me more if the residual haunting is of something that has a big emotional impact. Yes, that's what I was Because say. if it's just somebody who is at the sink doing dishes, I don't know why that would necessarily leave that kind of electrical energy there because it's just kind of whatever. But if somebody was in a really heightened state doing something and they have all this energy coursing through their body, I could see that leaving an impact as though it's a video game on a screen for too long. And by the way, I love that analogy. I love that analogy. It's like the it's like a blast radius or something like mm-hmm. that. Um, I think yeah. that a lot of people say that ghosts are meant to be um, people that have unfinished business, which I think is a version of emotional or psychological mm-hmm. um, discomfort at the moment of death that would cause you to linger on or intense violence or something yeah. like that. Um, some sort of like real potent mm-hmm. emotional, psychological damage. I've heard that a lot. I've never heard the video game burn in on the screen Me metaphor, which I think is very fun. I love it. All right, we actually will have time for a few more, but here's the one that relates to it. JD had said that residual hauntings aren't leftover memories or energy. They're momentary slips in time. And potentially we are showing up in the past just like they are in the present. So that's yeah. kind of like what happens in, I can't remember if it happens in the movie, The Conjuring, but I know that in the story of The Conjuring with the Perrin family, they say that something like that kind of happened. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Um, I we, we talked about it in the episode i don't remember it super duper well but i think that they said that somebody in the house walked into their living room or excuse me their dining room and they saw a family having dinner not their own family and that at least somebody who was sitting there having dinner looked up and looked at them like they were shocked to see them like what the hell and in that moment one of the parents was a ghost 
to these people who are having dinner. Yeah. And so it would seem that there was some sort of like wormhole or time portal that had somehow opened up. That's interesting. I, I love that sort of thing. That's that's some of the um that's some of the notion that's present in the Netflix series The Haunting of Hill House. Mm-hmm. This sort of time is slippery yes. idea. Um, this is something I, I don't want to spoil because I value it too much. I know. But there are moments where uh, a character in the modern era is not surprised to turn and see somebody who shouldn't be there. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, where are you going? Like, is so willing yeah. to accept that we can slip in and out of time and stuff like that, that it, it like it hurts your heart. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I love that sort of thing. Also, you know, that means that maybe like ghost stories and aliens can be people from the future. Right. You know, maybe, maybe you and I have appeared as ghosts to somebody in the long distant past and we don't even know it. Right. That's true. There could have been somebody who was in the corner of our eye, maybe in that darkness, who freaked out about us being there and we just weren't aware of it. Yeah. Super fun. All right. Let's move on to a few more. So Caitlin says, this is something that we've talked about before, and it, again, connects a little bit. Caitlin says, the Conjuring series is fun, but too sentimental to be really great. Ah. Mm-hmm. Aha. Ha It has a, a, a level of corniness yeah. that takes it down a notch. Saccharin. It is saccharin. It's very, very sweet. Mm-hmm. Which I think uh, uh, is about... This is about contrasts a little bit. I think that uh, Lorraine and Ed Warren are meant to be so lovey-dovey and so pure good that in the face of the evil they're fighting, right. they're even more of a, a beacon or something like that. Yes. Uh, and I also think that they they put a little bit too fine a point on it in the movies. They really make that contrast, that they are able to kind of cast them out, not just because it's their job as ghost hunters and demonologists and you know, ordained exorcists in the case of Ed Warren, yeah. but because they have this inherent goodness I do think the, that causes the, them to sing sweet songs. The Conjuring franchise is very interesting to me. I'm not, I, I wouldn't go so far as to say anything like I can't believe they're that popular because they're, they're good movies. I like them, yeah. But there are so many of them and I'm shocked that so many um, um, Film universes, cinematic universes, mm-hmm. have fallen by the wayside, and The Conjuring is still going strong. What's a what's a cinematic universe that you're thinking of? The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> I saw that's on Amazon Prime, and I want to watch it. It's on the mind. <laughs> oh my god! No, um, no. <laughs> Obviously, everybody's still. It's been it's been what, like 13 years of mm-hmm. of the Avengers movies of yeah. the MCU. And it, they're, they're perfect. It slaps. It's totally slaps. <laughs> um, and people have been chasing that. Yeah, totally. Um, and and I, I'm not saying that the formula should be easy, mm-hmm. but companies complicate it too much for themselves. Like I think all the the DC stuff, they've overcomplicated that universe, and that's why it didn't hold up. I yeah. think that Universal jumped the gun, making their dark universe, and the Conjuring. Oh, that's right. That damn dark universe. Uh-huh. And The Conjuring has just been sort of secretly, quietly building its thing. So I'm not shocked that it's all clicking and, and, and working. They're not making a big deal. Yeah, right. The Conjuring verse or anything. Right. But the movies as individual pieces, unlike the Avengers, which are telling a cohesive story that builds up to fighting like Thanos, mm-hmm. right? There's not a unifying thing in The Conjuring world at all. Right. And individually, it's really just that you know that this is in the Conjuring universe. Yes. Yeah. I don't think those movies take a lot of risks 
or do a lot of broad innovative things, which mm-hmm. is also fine. Yeah. Um, I think that this is a good hot take because I think that people, yeah. I think that the Conjuring franchise is completely skating by. Mm-hmm. I think that people are complimentary of it mm-hmm. without being effusive. Maybe this is the answer to what I was even saying in the beginning about fandoms being too extreme. Yeah. I don't think anyone's that extreme about the Conjuring verse. That might be true. I don't know that I've met anybody who absolutely hates it or absolutely loves it. Yeah, that might be true. And therefore, I think it's allowed to just do its thing, which yeah. is very interesting. But does that prevent it from being truly great? Greats? I don't feel it to be really great. Yeah, it's not on like the Pantheon. It's not on like your. No. Your, um... No, I like it a lot. Yeah. I will probably always see the movies. Yeah. But I don't think that it's like this is a great quality up there movie it is solidly good yes and that's cool yes they're entertaining with that yeah i like to be entertained yes entertain me entertain me fast fascinating i love that great great hot take totally all right so you know what let's open at the close with this one from elizabeth her hot take is in the form of a question they say are the signs aliens actually demons ah and she said this was stolen from the Blank Check podcast, sure. which we also talked about. So yes. truly opening at the close. It's true. Blank Check did a series about M. Night Shyamalan. So go check that out. It's great. Blank Check is a, a podcast. They cover like directors. Yes. So they they covered all the M. Night Shyamalan movies right. that he was a director for. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is what is your take? Uh, you know what? I, I almost wish that I had researched this a little bit more. Or I can tell at my you about notes. it to give you the baseline. I, I know the baseline, but I can't remember what my opinion is on it. I think it's a cool, I, you know what? I think, I think that I think no, that they are not demons, but I think it's a cool subtext. Okay. For those of you who are not in the know, I'll make it, I'll, I'll, I'll try to keep it brief. Mm-hmm. The premise of the movie signs is that Mel Gibson is a former priest he has lost his faith. He is a farmer, and crop signs, circles. crop circles start showing up in the fields of corn around his house. Um, and uh, so the aliens are attacking this farmhouse on the bare face of it. The subtext is all this: the movie is, li- you know, it's about aliens attacking, but it's literally about um, Mel Gibson's faith, grappling with his faith, faith in God, mm-hmm. capital G God. Um, and he has to find his faith in order to save his family and fight back against the aliens. Right. The way the aliens are defeated at the end of the movie, Mel Gibson's got a daughter who's been leaving glasses of water all over the house. Also, Mel Gibson's wife died by being pinned against a tree with a car mm-hmm. by Michael Showalter. I don't think Michael Showalter did. I think he's just a baddie in town. Yeah, he's a baddie in town. Yeah. And Shamlin himself. Was the driver who did it. Oh, okay. Yes, he has a cameo. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, her final They held words, a funeral service for that woman on the set in a sort of method acting kind of way. I talked about that in our episode about crop circles. Uh, okay. <laughs> it was heavy-handed on Shyamalan's part. Okie dokie. Yep. So, um, sorry, that really threw me for a loop. I, <laughs> I completely forgot about that. Um, so, her one of her final words that she said to him was swing away Merrill. Mm-hmm. Merrill is his brother, played by Joaquin Phoenix. Also of, we really are opening at the close, also of the village. Yes, that's true. So anyway, the way that they defeat this alien at the end, 
is that Joaquin Phoenix needs to swing away. He mm-hmm. needs to swing a baseball bat at the glasses of water that'll splash all over the alien. Right. The alien's weakness is water, and that saves them all, and they fly away. Right. So, so signs. Crop circles and the corn, is that the sign? Mm-hmm. Or are the signs the metaphor about his faith in that uh, he's got to pick – piece together all of these signs that are all that around him. My daughter life. leaves yeah. glasses of water all over the place. My brother used to play baseball. He's got a bat hanging on the wall here. Um, uh, They're my all meaningful. Final words were swing away Merrill. She wasn't even talking to me. He wasn't even there. He <laughs> says like, he's like, do you know why she said that? It's because her brain was dying. I know. And so she probably associated some memory from a long time ago. It's meaningless. So his central con- con- concern is, does the universe have order or not? Right. Is she did did what she say mean everything or did it mean absolutely nothing because her brain was dying? Mm-hmm. Because that is the central metaphor of the movie, and I believe that that is the central metaphor of the movie, and so therefore his faith is literally the key to defeating the aliens. Does that mean that the internet fan theory of the glasses of water are not just water, They're but holy, holy water? water. And that's why they burn the alien, because it's a demon, not just a space alien. Earth's atmosphere is like 90% water. You and I are breathing water particles right this very second. Um, Is that literally what's happening in the movie? Is it a demon? So you're saying no. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think that they are literally aliens. And I think that if even that, it might be a, a subtextual sort of thing. But I do not feel that they are demons. You know what this would need? What? For this theory to work for me. Mm-hmm. I think we would need a scene of his daughter mimicking her father's actions of a priest and blessing like, the water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, ah. right? And he views it as her trying to like still embody. But it actually works. But it actually works. Yeah. Oh, that's also really sweet. Right? He's, she's just mimicking things she saw her daddy do. I love Abigail Breslin in this movie. I oh, love this movie. Oh, it's Abigail Breslin. Mm-hmm. Oh, I forgot about Yes, she's so unbelievably cute in this movie. And isn't it Rory It's a great movie. Yes. Charlie Walker from Scream 4. Mm-hmm. Finally, got a Scream reference in here. Finally. Um, Just in the nick of time. I, I I think it would need something like that. Yeah. I think it's I think it's a subtextual thing you can look at and see. Mm-hmm. I personally enjoy it. I do too. I really I like the idea. The movie lives and dies off of Mel Gibson and the viewer honestly being will it's up to us now to decide whether or not we believe in those signs too Mm -hmm. i think the point is it doesn't really tell us either way no no Um, oh what a film i like it oh i love this was another movie that was poo-pooed i know that was poo-pooed i know i really like m night Shyamalan. so do i think he's done some good stuff i'm gonna say i don't think that the alien is a demon yeah that that's also how i feel i think it's a really fun theory very fun but um, from above or below Right, like that's really the oh idea. yeah. Like, are they from out there? Or yeah, they down right. There? No, I think they're from out there. I, I mean, you there. also see them in other countries and stuff like that. True, they've got great Bigfoot. Yes, footage, oh, I love Bigfoot it. Bigfoot mimicking scene. I oh, man, I love signs. I love that a jump part. Scare. Yes, I love that part where Joaquin Phoenix is watching the TV like in the closet. Mm. Oh, it's so good. He's going, those children mm-hmm. because the children on TV are speaking Spanish yeah. and they're clustered around the window where they saw the monster. Yeah. 
Uh, he's screaming at the television. Uh, oh, that movie's great. It's great. It's great. It totally I'm is. I'm going to say it's aliens. Yes, that's that's also how I feel. I'm going to say it's aliens. And the point is taking things on faith is very hard to do. Yeah. So I think that by having a definitive on it's definitely God is real mm-hmm. is not the point. No, no, I don't so think so either. So therefore, they're probably not demons. Yeah, absolutely. But I think it's very fun. Oh, me too. Me too. I love theories like that. Oh, God. They use the baby monitor and they pick up the signals from outer space. And William, oh, it's, I, so it's, good. it's so good. The sound of that movie is really mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. Running through the cornfield. It's so. fantastic. And I also think that you're not expecting to see aliens. Yeah, oh, yeah. You're like, okay, well, they're going to dance around it a little bit. And then when it happens, you're like, ooh. True. Like, I, I, it just, I think it partially is biased from other M. Night Shyamalan movies. Again, like they're them being kind of like, pulling a switch on you or twists and things like that. I don't think that I anticipated there being like a twist exactly, Yeah, but I love that. It's not like you're going to have to wonder, I guess I, I bet that I thought we're going to have to wonder what's going on here or they're going to imply it or whatever that you straight up just see aliens. They're there. They're outside the door and like reaching a hand under a door at one point, if I remember correctly, mm-hmm. um, you see them head on. It's yep. so exciting. You're like, Oh, they like went for You're it. Going for it. Yeah. Yeah. The, one of the things that I really like about those early M night Shyamalan movies is that he, he doesn't really hold back mm-hmm. the sixth sense undeniably has ghosts in it. Yeah. Unbreakable is undeniably about people with superpowers. Right. It's not dancing around it. It's not a metaphor for something. They have superpowers. They have superpowers. I think that the metaphor in this is about faith, but aliens are real. Yeah, the metaphor is certainly there, but the aliens are just straight up aliens. Super fun. Oh, it's great. That's great. I don't know in what form. We don't talk about M. Night Shyamalan much. There's not really a call for it on this show because he makes up his own fictional stories. I'd love to find some reason. I don't even care. Call it an excuse well, to talk about Shyamalan. You know, we we have thrown around on our our spreadsheet of ideas for future episodes to record. We talked about m- watching movies and talking about them. So oh, maybe some right. M Night Shyamalan movies would be good to do. Maybe we got to try to try the ones we haven't seen. Yeah, the maybe happening. It's time to put our monkey where our mouth is and check out the happening. I'm ready to put my monkey there. Have you seen uh, Lady in the Water? Yes, okay. I did not care for that. Neither did I. No. Okay. Um, and I'm trying to think what other movies he's done. I, uh, Is I it? Well, he didn't direct that, right? He, oh, I thought he did. I don't think Am so. Okay. I don't think so. Um, and I didn't see the visit. I'm oh, I'm well aware of it. I read all about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think The Happening is the only one of his that he like wrote and directed that I haven't seen. Okay. Well, hopefully, maybe someday we'll get to say it's my happening and it freaks me out. <laughs> I have no idea what that's from, by the way. I don't either. I was about I to say. Know that as I know that as a reference, but what is that? I have no idea what that is. Well, let's let's leave the people with that. We'll leave them wanting more. Yeah, exactly. Or, or wanting way, way less. Entirely less. Well, that's a shame because we have <laughs> way more of these hot takes from listeners. So there are going to be more episodes of yes. our hot takes. We'll spread them out a little bit. But if you didn't hear yours in this episode, expect to hear it in a future one. And if you have a hot take that you'd like us to discuss, please email it to gttupod at gmail.com. Yeah, I even have a bunch that I wrote down that we did not... Oh, nice. So I've got I've got tons to share. I only have one more. Really? I said to do three each. You're going to have to cook up some more. I can do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, everybody. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. If you enjoyed this show, go spread the word. Tell your friends. Uh, 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 call your grandma. Yeah. Let her know. <laughs> tell her what a podcast is. <laughs> Good luck. Um, <laughs> download the show. <laughs> I'm sorry. I think I'm going with <laughs> go to Go to patreon.com slash pod. <laughs> <laughs> 
and back us on the Netherworld Warrior level starting at $4 a month you're going to get a, uh, get a bunch of bonus shows mm-hmm. extra podcasts that Kristen and I have done that only our patrons have access to um, you can find links to all of our social media other groups we've got a behind the scenes discord just yeah. for Patreon people um, and all of these things all of Guide to the Unknown the many episodes we've done live on gttupod.com that's so right. thank you all so much for hanging out with us and for sending in your horror hot takes. I can't wait to talk more. It's fun to just sort of like. I love it. Like jabber jaw. Yeah. Weird horror concepts that. that Theories. Run, like the full gamut of like some pop culture, some like real life metaphysical theorizing. Yeah. Very fun. So this thank is you rad. All. We'll definitely see you next time for mm-hmm. more uh, spooky, weird conversation. Yeah. But until that time comes, we must travel. Back to the netherworld, go away. Or do we? Oh. Do you theorize? What do you think? Like, at the end of the show, do we really go to the netherworld? Or do we not? Or are we lying? Are we just turn Would off we the recorder? lie to our audience? And then I go upstairs and eat like a Kit Kat? <laughs> I think it's that one. I think it's that one. Too. Yeah, yeah. Have you ever encountered an unexplained hairy bipedal hominid in the woods? Have you received telepathic messages from an unidentified aerial phenomenon? If so, then you need to listen to Bigfoot Collectors Club. I'm Michael McMillan. And I'm Bryce Johnson. And together with super producer... Riley Bray. We make up the Bigfoot Collectors Club. That's right. Every week we talk to actors, comedians, writers, and paranormal experts about their personal paranormal histories and share stories of high strangeness. Like the time when we talked to Craig Ferguson about the Loch Ness Monster and when a sea witch told him he had raven magic. Or the time I asked Pitch Perfect's Anna Camp her opinion on cattle mutilations. Past guests have included Rachel Bloom, Jen Kirkman, Paul F. Tompkins, Bobcat Goldthwait, and more. So if you've ever been abducted alongside five reindeer by an alien with grills for hands or witnessed Bigfoot crawl out of an interdimensional portal, don't laugh, happens all the time, then check out Bigfoot Collectors Club on Campfire Media or wherever you get your podcasts. Bigfoot Collectors Club, you're here to believe us. Wait, is that how it goes?